And today I want to talk about really around the topic of what does it mean to be the church? Like how are we to relate to each other as the church of Jesus Christ? And how does the church differ from the alumni association I'm a part of or the recreational club? or the country club, or, or my golf club, or my tennis club, or my gym, or my Zumba class. Come on, somebody. Is Zumba still out there? I don't know. Is it, is it out there? Okay, come on. I don't know. Um, go ahead. I'm, I'm all about Zumba. Um, never done it, but, you know, teach their own. But I want to talk, how does the church differ? What is, what is our distinctives as a church? So let's pray before we dive in. Father, we thank you for your word. God, it's truly a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as we open your word today, God, I pray that we would just posture our hearts and our minds to receive for what you have for us. We know that you're speaking, God. So we just say, speak. We are listening today in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. If you like titles to a message, today is called Called to Community. Called to Community. Acts 2, verse 42. If you were here Friday night, by the way, we had a great uh, pursuit night on Friday night. Uh, we, we spoke from Acts chapter 2 at the top of the message where the Holy Spirit filled the early church and really the inception of the church. Acts 2.42 is a little bit further down here. And the Bible says this. We're going to read about six scriptures. They, referring to the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. How many of us want to thank God for bread right now? Come on, somebody. And to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and with many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts or in the ballroom of the Hotel Bethesda. Come on. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily of those who are being saved. I want to share from this passage this idea of being called to community. And I want to note that what I love the book of Acts because it's a narrative of the early church. You really see the lifeblood of the early church and the inception. Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit fills the believers, and now they go about their regular lives of eating and drinking and worshiping and living and working and, and parenting, all the things that you go about in your life. And we see the, the inner workings of the early church. And this, this passage really is a, is a compact summary of what we see throughout the entire book. But I want to give you three applications from this, from this early, these, these few scriptures of what, I, what we see as practices that were embraced by the early church that we're called to embrace as the church of Jesus Christ. And here's the first one if you're taking notes, is that we are to gather, gather to worship. Gather to worship. The scripture says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That refers to when they would gather, in fact, I'm kind of a, uh, on a side note, I, I love early church history. I love to read books about it, even, you know, the book of Acts, but then kind of narrative around the early church. And, and one thing that you'll see, like the early church in Rome, what was central to their gathering is what's central to our gathering today was music, worship music, and the word of God. And they were, they, they were devoted to their gathering. Now, they were the number one metaphor you will read about in the, the book, the New Testament, 
of the church was that they were called the family of God. So when you read like 1 Peter or the book of James, they'll write brothers and sisters because they viewed themselves as a spiritual family. They were together as a family. And this is important to note because I think sometimes, I think the intention can be good, but we can, we can misappropriate what the church is. That myself, by myself, and you, by yourself, are not the church. Did you know that? Like, the church, by its nature, is in the same way, let me tell you this. By myself, I am not a family, right? If I say that, give me some help, okay? Like, it's not me, myself, and I. That's our family, no. Like, like the family, you're a family when you come together. Are you hearing me? The word for church in the Greek is the word ecclesia. Ecclesia, by definition, means the assembling of the called out ones. We can't assemble by ourselves. So I am not the church by myself. I am, we are the church when we are together. Are you following me, church? This is why assembling is so important. Gathering is so important because when we gather together as a family is together, we, one, of our, one of our practices in our Burroughs household is we gather on the dinner table every night. We gather as a family. We're a family. We gather on Sundays for worship. And this has been a practice. This is not a Western cultural practice. This is a biblical practice. They were gathering. They met in the temple on a regular basis. Every day, the Bible says, to gather together to worship. In fact, the early church, they gathered far more often than the average association would in early Rome. The average association would gather about once a month. Like today, we have other associations, don't we? We have a, maybe you're an alumni association. Maybe you're in a tennis club. Maybe you're a part of some other uh, affiliation. You're in a PTA or whatever it might be. They were a part of different associations and affiliations. And here's what I want you to take note of to give you a differentiator. How, how does this and our relationship differ from that with my alumni association? And this is important. Is that the early church placed their relationship with their fellow church above every other association in their life next to their biological family. That this was of primary importance because this, we gathered to worship Christ just like we did today. Can I get an amen? When I first came to Christ as an adult, you, you all know this, you've been around Catalyst, but I love the game of football. I cannot wait for the regular season to kick off. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Jesus. I love the fall. I love, I love time of year football. And before I came to Christ, what my Sundays looked like, my Sundays were consumed with football. So I would start watching pregame at 9 a.m. Some of you didn't know there was pregame at 9 a.m., but there is. I'd have my laptop up. I was in several fantasy football leagues. This is before Christ, so don't judge me. And it was money involved. I wasn't playing games. I was like, we're, the money's on the line. We ain't, we ain't, we're not nice. This is, this is for real. So I would watch pregame at 9 a.m. I would, I would watch the 1 p.m. game, the 4 p.m. game, and Sunday night football. Like from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. on Sundays. No joke. So when I came to Christ, I don't know if you know this, but I had to give up pregame because church happens from that 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. hour. And some of you are thinking, that's silly. But it was important to me. I loved it. 
And maybe for you, but let me say, let me tell you this. And then, then I would go to lunch with friends. They'd be, hey, you want to come to lunch, Jeremy? I'm like, well, it's 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 1 p.m. right now. Come on, we know God's favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens. They usually play at 1 p.m. I'm like, I don't know if I can go to lunch. And and what I learned was, listen, I watched less football when I came to Christ. And I still, and then I think God has a sense of humor. He didn't call me to be a pastor. Like literally the only football I get to watch is when I come home. I get home and Sunday night I watch the DVR of the Ravens that happened at 1 o'clock. I'm like, God, you're humorous. Hey, but listen, I've, I watched less football when I began to prioritize church. But my soul became healthier. And maybe for you it's not football. Maybe for you it's your tea time. Maybe for you it's brunch with friends. Maybe for you, it's your kids' sports. Hey, can I tell you, when you as the early church did begin to prioritize, and listen, it's not religious. We gather as a spiritual family to worship Christ. And something happens in our life when we do so. And can I tell you, when you do so in your life, your soul will be healthier. If you've experienced that, can you say amen? And can I say lovingly, but for all the parents in the room, Listen, what matters more in your child's life is not their performance on a field, but their souls that will matter in eternity. So I want to I encourage you. If your kids have sports on Sundays, we've been challenged this personally. And you might say, well, you're the pastor. And I'm okay if you think that. But I, I do this because I'm a Christian. And we haven't always gotten it right. But I'm going to say, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Because at the end of the day, what's going to matter more than anything else is our souls. Can I get an amen? They were devoted. They had a devotion. They were gathering. They, they prioritized it. Hebrews 10, the author of Hebrews says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the day, all the more, as you see the day approaching. What was happening was there were Hebrew Christians who were Stopped gathering. We see this in our Western culture. There will be Christians who will begin to deprioritize church. And the author of Hebrews was concerned. And I want you to hear the concern. I, I, I researched this this week. The concern was not that, just even that, like, oh, you're missing church. Here was the concern. The second, num- the second metaphor for the, early, for the church in the New Testament, number one is family of God. Number two is body of Christ. And here's what was the concern, that if you begin to neglect the body of Christ, your next step is you begin to neglect Christ. You're neglecting his body, the next thing. And can I tell you, I've been pastoring now for 11 years, almost 12 years. And I have seen this play out in people's lives. People who have walked away from the faith, almost every time it began with them first walking away from church. They thought to themselves, I'm just going to, you know, I don't, I don't, it's just a gathering. I don't need to go to church. And I have, I, have, I have not ever met anybody who neglected a healthy local church and pulled away from the body of Christ and drew closer to Christ. Now, listen, there are some unhealthy local churches out there. I acknowledge that. And maybe some of you have experienced hurt in church. I want to say I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for the misrepresentation of who Christ is. But can I, as, as your pastor, encourage you? 
Do not allow the imperfections of a human to cause you to miss out on all that God has for you in your life. Can I get an amen? And I'm just going to say this. I believe it. But this is a healthy local church. If you believe it, can you say amen? Sorry, I just noticed something. I think I had you say amen about 16 times already. I'll slow down. But, but, but I really do believe it. And I believe one of the best things for your life is to be planted and connected into a healthy local church. One of the things that I have the privilege of doing, and I love it, I probably met last, uh, I did this a lot last service, is I get to meet guests when they come to our church at guest reception. I probably met about seven or eight last service. It was, it was great. I, lo- I, love, I love that. And if you're a guest here today, I'd love to meet you after service. Um, and what I love, and actually this happened last service, I met someone, I'll meet someone who already met Christina, my wife. And usually what I'll hear is, hey, I just met your wife, Christina. She's great. I'm like, I know. Or she's lovely. And I'm like, why do you think your boy married her? Come on, somebody. Uh, I've, I've made a lot of bad decisions, but I made a couple good ones, and she's one of them for sure. And... But listen, if I were to go out and someone were to say, hey, I have a problem with your wife, I say, well, guess what? You now got a problem with me. Okay, come on, somebody. Like, if you want to see the worst of Jeremy, have a problem with my kids or my wife. Come on, okay? I'm just being honest. And listen, it's, it's hard for you to have a good relationship with me and, and hate on my wife. The church is called the bride of Christ. It's hard to have a functional relationship with Christ and have a dysfunctional relationship with his bride because we go together. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, listen, there are, there are some unhealthy churches. I'm not saying you should stay in an unhealthy church at all. Find yourself a healthy church. But then develop a healthy relationship with the bride of Christ. Because he cares about his bride like any husband cares about their bride. Can I give you three qualities? If you, maybe you're new or maybe you, I know in this area, some people come and go and leave. Can I give you three things I would look for to see if a church is healthy? Now, I could share with you many things. I'm going to give you three things that in my mind are integral for a healthy local church. Okay? Here's number one is that Christ is worshipped. That is the, Can I tell you the primary function, why we exist and why we gather? It's to worship Christ. The church doesn't exist to be a social club for believers. The church doesn't exist to be an outreach arm in the community, although we do those things, and those are great. We exist first and foremost to glorify Christ, to worship Christ. He is our focus. Everything else is secondary. It's like a benefit. It's like icing on the cake. It's good cake too. But he is our focus. Follow me. Christ is worshipped. Number two, the Bible is taught. The Bible is taught. Meaning this, that they, they believe that this Bible is the holy, inspired, infallible, and authoritative word of God. That, that God wrote this book through the Hands of men and women. Not just the red letters are the holy inspired word of God. It's all the holy inspired word of God. So when you go into a church 
A healthy local church does not teach politics, does not teach self-help principles. We teach the words of God that has a power to set us free. That's what a healthy local church does. So when you come in here, you will always hear teaching from this book. That when, you go to, when, you, when you leave this area and you go find another church, look for a church that's teaching the word of God and not mere thoughts, not politics. No, we're teaching the word of God. And then the gospel is spread. You want to have a church that's, that's not just concerned with us four and no more. A church that's concerned with reaching people who are far from God. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Do you, if you read the Gospels, do you know what ruffled the feathers of religious people the most? How much Jesus loved people far from him. And can I tell you what the church should be about? Loving people who are not yet here. Loving people, reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And we care about our community. We love our community. We love Bethesda. We love Montgomery County. The church is not, is not meant to sit here and condemn the world. We are called to love the world. Reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Churches should be focused on that. And then he says, don't neglect to gather together as the day is approaching. He's referring to judgment day. Because one day, each and every one of us will stand before King Jesus. And he will... We will receive rewards based upon how we lived this life on earth. And he says, and here's what the the church does. When we gather together, we remind ourselves. We remember what really matters in life. That life is not about building a career. It's about building the kingdom of heaven. That life's not about making a great name for myself. It's about making his name great. That parenting is not about raising good citizens who get a good education. Although that's great. It's about raising them to follow Jesus and change the world for his glory. That life's not about amassing wealth and building my empire. It's about, as Jesus said, storing up treasures in heaven. We gather, we remember what life is really about. We gather in worship. Number two, we connect in community. They broke bread in their homes and ate with glad and sincere hearts. You know what you'll never see in the scriptures? I believe so. You'll never see. They never once ate salad. They broke bread. (laughs) Come on, can I get an amen? Listen, you'll never meet someone eating salad and they're happy. (laughs) Breaking bread, that's why you pour dressing on it. Listen, here's how you know something's bad. You got to put dressing full of fat and sugar to make it taste good. Hot bread by itself, delicious. You don't even need butter. It's hot bread. They broke bread. Listen, the only reason we eat salad is because we care about our health. We eat bread because we care about our taste buds. You know what I'm saying? Okay, sorry. I'm going to teach the Bible now because that's part of a healthy local church. That was Jeremy's opinion, but it's true. It's true. You know it is. But they gathered in large group for worship. They gathered in smaller groups and homes for a relationship. And listen, life change happens in the context of relationship with each other. It's when we get in smaller settings. It says they gathered in, in homes, temple to temple, or in temple, and then house to house. 
And one of the reasons that we gather together in smaller groups, James 5.16 says this, is that so we can confess our sins to each other and pray for each other. Watch this, so that you may be healed. That word healed is a word that means an internal freedom of your soul. We confess our sin to God for forgiveness. We confess our sin to each other for freedom. What phrase that we use here at Catalyst Church is we take the mask off because it's in those moments of transparency that our souls receive healing. You know, we're coming into the fall season where you're going to see stores selling lots of masks as we come upon that season. And if you were to wear a mask on your face, covering your face 24-7, like a rubber mask, you would have a hard time breathing. And listen, if we're not careful, if we wear a mask over our souls 24-7, our souls are having a hard time breathing. And here's what can happen in church. And there's, this, this is the fault of every church, which is why we talk about this a lot is that you can come to church and we can fall into a danger of playing church to where someone's like, how are you doing? Man, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Or I'm, ble- I'm too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> or like the non-churchy answer, how are you doing? Man, I'm good. And you're not good. And listen, you can't take your mask off with everyone. You can't walk out of these doors and meet someone on the street, and they're like, how are you doing? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> All right, you ever had that happen? You're like, I, I just, that was just a formality. I didn't really mean it, you know. <laughs> like the cashier's like opening up to you. You're like, I just wanted to get some water and go. Just... It's inappropriate to do it just to anybody, but you need somebody. You need someone. My passion for this comes for there, were, there, were, there was a season of my life where I went to church. And if you saw me and I said, they said, how are you doing? And I said I was good. I wasn't really good. Like, if I'm honest, I probably, like, wasn't clinical, but I was battling some depression. I had some secret sin in my life that I really didn't want in my life, but I felt bound up in. And it wasn't until I got into a smaller group of people of some young men that were my age, and I began to take the mask off. Say, so here's what's really going on. And can I tell you, listen, we have community groups here at our church. And our, our, we're taking a little break for summer semester. They just ended. They'll restart on September 17th. And here's why we have community groups. We'll have different types of groups. We'll have activity groups like hiking. We'll have um, groups that meet around meals at lunchtime or dinnertime. We'll have Bible studies, but the primary reason we have groups is so you can find a relationship that you can take off the mask and tell somebody else about the anxiety you have that cripples you and keeps you up at night, about the problems that you're having in your marriage, about that area of sin that you wish wasn't in your life but still is there, about that addiction you're battling. And here's what you're gonna here's what you're gonna receive here at Catalyst Church because we train all of our group leaders this way. I want you. This is so important because here's a lie from the enemy. If I tell somebody this, they're they're gonna they're gonna condemn me. They're gonna they're gonna heap shame upon me. They're they're gonna kick me out. You will never receive condemnation here. You will only receive compassion. And you know what, you know what I found personally when you're in a group setting. 
Like a lot of the times, here's what you'll probably hear. When you share about your anxiety, someone else will say, me too. When you share about your marital struggles, somebody else will say, me too. When you share about your doubts about faith and how you struggle with some areas, you'll probably hear me too. And can I tell you, the healing that happens in those moments, no sermon could ever give you. You need both. You got to have the, the larger group and you got to have the, the smaller group setting so you can experience healing. Now, there are some of you in this room, you've experienced, you've been amen to me, you've been nodding your head, I see you. And here I want to give you a challenge for you because you've experienced this. You've, you're walking in freedom. You've experienced the growth. We believe here at Catalyst that growth happens in the context of relationship. You've experienced it. And here's my challenge for you. In the fall season, we experience, it's one of our greatest seasons of growth as a church. And our heart as a church isn't just to gather a large group on Sunday. Because we want every person here at Catalyst to know God, have a relationship with God, to find freedom, to discover their unique God-given purpose, to ultimately make a difference in every area of their life. And we want every person to find freedom, and that happens in relationship. So here's what I'm asking. If you have experienced that in a community group, I want to ask you to consider being a group leader. We are making it more accessible than ever before. You had a card when you came in. There's either a QR code you can scan to fill out a form online or just simply put your name, email, and phone, and a group's team member will follow up with you this week uh, to kind of give you next steps. You can lead a group where you go, like a dinner group, and try different restaurants. You can lead an activity group where you play golf or pickleball or whatever or run. You can lead a Bible study or a book study. We have many of those. Um, And then one thing that we're really rolling out this semester is, is message-based discussion groups. So every week, we're going to create a message guide. And it's going to be the, the most accessible way for you to lead a group. And, and you can, we're going to give you a recap of the message and some discussion questions, an hour worth of, worth of content. And here's what I believe. I think really the ideal kind of group size is like 12 people. Like that was the size of Jesus. That's, that's not Jeremy's idea. Come on, somebody. He came up with it. Let's not recreate the wheel. Because here's why. It's, it's when you get 12 or less, it's easier to build a relationship. Now, we have larger groups, and I'm all for them. And usually what happens in large group settings is you group up in smaller groups anyway because you need those relationships. So I want to encourage you to lead a group. If you don't know what to lead, a message-based discussion group is a great one. You can lead a group online, in your house, in your condo, in a coffee shop, in a restaurant, wherever you want to lead. You can do it every week, every other week. Uh, We have a 12-week semester. It will kick off in September and it will end before the Christmas holiday. So I want to encourage those of you who you've been a part of one to consider leading a group this semester. You know, the word for fellowship used here, they devoted themselves, the Bible says, to fellowship is the word koinonia. And that word koinonia means a mutual sharing or a contribution. The very essence and nature of Christian community was not one where you just came to receive, but one in which you also gave and you shared. In fact, the Acts chapter 2, it says they were generous with their possessions, so no one in the church actually had a need. They were so generous with each other. Paul said it this way in Galatians 6, 2, to share each other's burdens, and in this way, we obey the law of Christ. Paul was giving a word picture because in the, in the Roman culture, Roman soldiers were enlisting and forcing Christians to become servants. And they would have you carry all of their gear, so weight. 
So you would carry the burdens of the soldier you were serving. And Paul says, in Rome, you're forced to do it for a soldier, but in the church, we do it willingly for each other. That we carry each other's weight. We care for each other. We pray for one another. We serve one another. This is the essence of our relationship with each other. I don't know if you've been on this section of your Instagram app. Has anybody been to the Explore page? If you click the little search button, if you want to know what's happening in your soul, click on your Explore page. Come on, somebody. Because the algorithm, basically, they're reading everything you do, and they see what posts you stop on, how long you watch certain videos, and they figure out what you like because their whole goal is to keep you on that app. So on your pastor's search page right now, you'll see two things that are predominant. Number one is golf instructors teaching how to swing a golf club because your boy needs help right now, okay? I got a wicked slice. I'm working on it, getting some help. The second thing, since I was like, like in my early or my late teens, I loved the sport of bodybuilding. Now, I know a lot of those guys take steroids. I know. But it's just cool when you can lift 1,000 pounds, okay? It's impressive. And I like to lift weights. So I, was, I saw this video. That was this guy. He was, he was doing squats. And he had about 400 pounds. That's pretty heavy if, you, if you're squatting. So he asked this guy at the gym to spot him. So he, like, he takes, takes a squat. And this guy, the guy who spotted him was much bigger than him. So the guy is like, I'm going to do one rep. So he goes down for a squat. He comes up. And he gets ready to re-rack. Well, the spotter says, one more. Now, I don't know if he was afraid because he was bigger or he really thought he could do one more, so he did one more. And then he says, one more. He's like, all right, you know, just one more. And then he says, one more. And he does one more. Comes back up, kind of slowly, struggling now. He re-racks it. The spotter had that guy do four times more weight than he thought he could lift. You know, the research shows this. If you have a spotter in the gym, on average, you lift 11% more weight than without it. That a spotter actually makes you realize you're stronger than you think you are. That a lot of times our biggest block is mental. That a lot of times, and, and here, here's where it applies, because Paul says carry each other's burdens or weight. That sometimes you need a friend, a good friend will make you realize that you are stronger than you think you are. I'll put it this way. The Bible says that in your weakness, God's strength is perfected. That God in you is stronger than you think he is. So when you go through a hard week and you think, that's it, that's it, I can't take it. You have a good friend who says, hey, I'm, I'm right here with you. I'm praying for you. I believe God is with you in this. Or come on, parents, you have a rough morning. Come on, somebody. And you're like, somebody come take these kids. And they're like, you got this. Hey, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. But you know what a spotter also does? Not just encourage you and, and make you realize you're stronger than you think you are. But then when you, aren't, when you, are, when you are not stronger <laughs> and that weight comes back down, you ever had that moment in the gym where you're lifting, you're like, oh, nope, this ain't going. And what, they, what do they do? They lift the weight off of you. Sometimes you will have moments in your life where the weight of life is too heavy for you alone. And can I help free you up? The way that God designed you, your creator in heaven did not create you to go through life alone. 
He didn't create you to handle the life of parenting alone. He didn't create you to handle the stress at work alone. He didn't create you to go through this life alone. So there are times you need somebody to come alongside you and lift the weight off of you. That might look like them being like, hey, I'll come watch the kids for a couple hours. That might be like, hey, hey, let me just come. Sometimes I call it the ministry of presence. Sometimes just going and spending time with somebody who's going through a hard time in and of itself is ministry. Would you agree? Or what I call the ministry of Uber Eats. Come on, somebody. I got dinner tonight. Come on. I'm all about that, especially on the receiving end of it. Come on, somebody. If you're feeling led tonight. No, I'm just kidding. But carry each other's burdens. All right, so we, we gather for worship. We, we connect in community. Here's the last one, is that we serve on mission. Acts 2.47 says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the early church were seeing, in fact, in that day, it went from 120 in the upper room to 3,000 followers of Jesus. In our Western culture, an instantaneous megachurch. That they went from like having one service to 18 services. Okay, we got 3,000 people now. It grew quickly. And this is what I want, I want us to get in our spirit. This is important if you're a follower of Jesus. It is the will of God for the church of Jesus Christ to grow. Can I get an amen? It is the will of God for the church of Jesus Christ to grow. We see it in the book of Acts. This is why it's important that we get this. Because as long as heaven and hell are realities, the mission of the church matters. Heaven is eternity with God. Hell is eternity apart from God. And as long as they are realities, and they are, what we do matters. And us being an organization that's not just for us four and no more is important. And I want you to hear this. A church growing is not about becoming a larger organization. Don't get it twisted. The church growing is about more people finding hope in Jesus Christ. It's about more individuals with addictions finding freedom. It's about more marriages on the verge of divorce reconciling. It's about more people who don't have hope finding hope. It's about more kids being raised in a church where they'll be cared for and loved for and discipled. It's for more students who are battling depression to find the joy of the Lord. We're not here to grow a big room and a large group of people. We're here because Jesus Christ came to the earth and he bled and he died and he rose again so people could find hope and salvation can come to humanity. So we as a church are committed to growing. We're committed. And my life was changed because of a church who had that commitment. But I thank God that I walked into a church who was thinking about me. That even though I had a great job, I made good money, I was depressed on the inside, and I found the hope of Jesus Christ. And because of that, I stand here before you today as your pastor. And I know there are people in Bethesda, and Silver Spring, and Rockville, and Gaithersburg, and D.C., and Arlington, and all over this area, Columbia, Baltimore, who do not yet have the hope of Jesus Christ. And this is why we exist. This is why this church started, and this is why this church exists it is 
I don't care about a big organization. I care about lives of people being changed. I care about addicts finding freedom. I care about marriages being restored. I care about broken homes being made whole again. I care about hopeless people finding hope. That's what we're about. Don't get it twisted. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. My passion comes from the fact my life's been changed. I have hope. I have joy. And it hasn't come from anything on this earth. We are building the church of Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. We're not doing religion. We're not playing church. We're not a nonprofit, although we do have our 501c3. We're not a community outreach organization. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. It won't. It won't. How does it grow? How do we see more of the hopeless find hope? How do we see more of the depressed find joy? How do we see more people come into the kingdom of heaven? Ephesians 4.16, Paul makes it practical. He said he, referring to Christ, makes the whole body of Christ fit together perfectly like only he can. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. One of the things that I love to watch, I don't watch many shows, but I love to watch sport documentaries. I love it. If it's a documentary about a team, I'll watch it. I love the ins and outs of, of team sports. And uh, in fact, last night I was watching something about a football team. And I love, uh, there's a show called Hard Knocks. Some of you have seen it. It's like the, the behind the scenes of a football team. What I love is I love to see uh, football teams at training camp. I love to see what happens between Sundays. Because you see that during the week they're, you know, the quarterbacks are working with the quarterback coach and the offensive linemen are working with the offensive lineman coach and the wide receivers are working with the wide receiver coaches. And what I love about football is that each of the players, like they're noticeably different. Like an offensive lineman is like 6'2", 360 pounds, right? You have a running back is like 5'8", come on somebody. And then you have a wide receiver who could be 6'7", 220, lean, with the wingspan of an eagle. And, and, and you have these different players. And what I love to watch is how they, they all serve different functions and they have their own part to play. But their goal is the same. Like, no matter what team it is, like, their goal is to win the Super Bowl. Like, every team, they start the season. And they all have hopes and dreams to win that Super Bowl. And I thought, what a, what a, what a modern metaphor for the body of Christ. We all have a common mission. And it's the mission that Jesus gave us. We might word it differently, but it's to go forth and to make disciples of all nations. Like he, he left us with a parting mission. But we all serve a different function. We all are different. That's the beauty of the body. But the, but the scripture says we all have our special work, our, 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 own, our own part that we play. I want to talk to you about that briefly. I want to give you three things that I want to ask you. If this is your, your church home, I want to ask you three things to do to play your part. Number one is I want you to pray. We don't believe that prayer is a religious activity. We believe that prayer is powerful. Can I get an amen? Talk about 21 days of prayer. Can I ask you to pray for this church? Pray for our leadership. 
pray for us to be a church that reaches people who are far from God. Hey, can you pray as we are looking, pray for us to find our permanent home. I'm believing God has one for us. Pray for us. Number two is to serve. God's put gifts on the inside of you. This church is not built upon the gifting of a pastor or a leader. It's built upon the gifts of the body, the body of Christ. There's a team at first service. I loved it. They covered, our, they covered all of our services in prayer today. I don't know if you knew that. There's a prayer team at the gift of intercession. I thank God for our prayer team. We have those who have the gift of craftsmanship right now in our production team who are making sure we have these weekend services so people can find hope in Jesus. We have our kids team right now and our students team that they are using their teaching gifts to, to disciple and our youngest members. Man, I thank God for them. We have so many individuals, our guest services team, using their gifts of hospitality to make us all feel so welcome here, that we belong here. It's the beauty of the body of Christ. And God's put gifts on the inside of you. If you haven't gone through our next steps process, you'll discover your unique spiritual gifts. We want you to exercise those gifts as a part of our team. Why? So we can see the body of Christ grow and and flourish. Then lastly is to share. Share our faith. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks, about all the ways to share our faith, but, but I want to share with you one way is to simply share your church. It's not the only way, but it is a way. On September 17th, as we get closer to that date, we're going to talk more about that date. It's a Better Together Sunday. It'll be the best Sunday. I think every Sunday is a great Sunday to bring someone with you. That Sunday will be the best Sunday. Because we're going we're gonna to kick off a relationship series. And we're going to be thinking about those people in your life who don't have a church home, who are far from God. We're believing to see many people come to faith on that Sunday. You can simply, hey, come, come and sit with me. I'd love for you to come and sit with me on Better Together Sunday. I close with this scripture, Romans 12.10. Paul says this, be devoted to one another in love. That word love is the word phileo. It means a familial love. He says, be devoted as if you're family. It reminds you of Psalm 92.13 that says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in life. In fact, I want to kind of illustrate this for you. I have a plant up here this morning. And this plant, if you take a plant and you put a plant in soil, that from my research, I'm no botanist, but from my research, um, that a plant, its growth potential, its, its flourishing is dependent upon the nutrients and the minerals in the soil. So as the roots go deeper into that soil, it's absorbing more nutrients and, and minerals. So that plant's life can flourish and grow. That's why you can take a little seed or small plant. You can put it in the ground and all of a sudden months, years pass and all of a sudden it's this, it's this massive plant. Why? Because the nutrients and the minerals of the soil and the conditions of what it's planted in causes it to flourish. Here's our belief is that when we plant ourselves in the house of God, when we, we, we don't just, you know, casually associate with church, but we say, like the early church, I'm going to make church a priority in my life for me and my family. I believe as we connect in community, as we, as we serve on mission together, I believe this. I believe like the Bible says, your life will flourish 
If you've experienced that, can you say amen? I believe your spirit will flourish. I believe your soul will prosper. I believe your relationships will become healthier. I believe you'll walk according more to your your God-given purpose as you plant yourself. My heart for you as your pastor is that your life will flourish in every area of your life. Can you bow your heads with me, church?